Hi everyone, this is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through His Word for His people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from Him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship Him and take His message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryvale.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. I invite you to find your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. As you're turning there, I'm just curious. We're always looking for people who feel that they've been called by God. So I'm curious, how many of you feel like you're called by God? You're called to ministry, called to anything by God. Anyone? You feel called to ministry. It's interesting. What are we to be about? We've been saying this for the past couple of weeks. What are we about? What's our mission in life supposed to be? What does it say this with me? We're to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And then what did we learn about last week? We took that one step further and we said what? We're to do what? We're to partner together, right? To partner together to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's what we're about. We're not about a denomination. We're not about a bunch of ministry offerings and opportunities. We're not about being a large church. We're about what? We're about leading people to Christ. Let's see how this plays out in Scripture, how it should work in the church world. Please stand in honor of reading God's Word. We're in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I'm going to be reading verses 11 through 12. This is what God's Word says. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And what were they equipped to do? What did it say, verse 12? To equip his people for works of service, so the body of Christ may be built up. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning, and we pray that you'll take this text and take our understanding of who we are and what we're supposed to be for you and help us apply that to our lives. Lord, may we leave here changed, better understanding what it is we're to be in you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you do, both in our lives, in our church, in our community, and in the world today. We know that you are here, you are present, and you are ever active in everything that's going on. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for all that you do. And all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. Let me begin by asking, who do you think the body of Christ, God's people, who do you think that would include? If you think that's you, raise your hand. You think the body of Christ, do you think it includes you? Well, guess what? God's people, that would include you and you and you. And you, and you, and you, and you. Yeah, Everett, even you. It would. You guys get the picture, right? It would be anyone, anybody at all who has declared and professed Jesus to be the Savior of their life and the Lord of their life. So, if I would be called to be your pastor and your teacher, then it would be my role to do what? To prepare whom? To prepare God's people. Again, remember, God's people are, are you all. To prepare you for what? to prepare you, to equip you for the works of service. So if the church, if it is functioning right, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers and such, we would equip God's people, and that would include you all, for what was it again? It's called what? For the works of service. So if I'm reading this scripture right, 
What that would mean is this. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ, if you believe in what he's done, then that means that you should probably see yourself as being called to minister. Now, some of you might say, well, Pastor Brett, isn't that what we pay you for? Eh, wrong, no. Others of you may say, well, wait, hold on. Does that mean I have to quit my job and I need to go to work for a church or I need to go off to some missionary field somewhere or whatever? Oh, friends, I tell you what, I sure hope not. Because honestly, you may be able to do better ministry where you are right now than if you joined a church staff or you went off to a mission field because you've got people, people all around you right now in your life, people who are ready to receive ministry from you. Many of you, you're needed right where you're at right now. So, I hope that you will see that this fact that God is calling you right where you are at in your life right now. He's calling you to minister to others. So, let's try that question again and let's see if we're on the same page. Let's see if you were paying attention. Let's go back. Rewind. So, I'm curious. How many of you feel like you've been called by God to ministry? Come on. It's a little better, but you're still not quite there. All right. Now, there's some of you that you may say, but hold on. I don't know much about scripture, or I, I don't feel like I'm good enough to be able to do that. I'm, I'm nervous when I'm praying for people, and so how can I make a difference in my life and in this world? Well, let me just say this. First, let me talk to those of you who might be very confident, very talented. I want to directly to speak to those of you, maybe you graduated at the top of your class. You were voted the most likely to succeed. Maybe you were kind of pretty, and maybe you still are. You're the best athlete. You're the most talented. I want to say this to those types of people. I've got great news for you. And that's this. God can still use you. He can still do it. But understand, it's just that God, what we see all throughout Scripture is he prefers and he specializes in using ordinary people. God specializes in using everyday, average, ordinary people. And listen, God is calling you to minister to others in the name of Jesus. Church, understand, as it says in Romans 8, 37 to 39, it says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So friends, what does that say? We're what? We're conquerors. We're victors. Not on our own, but through Jesus. So it's Jesus. With Jesus in our life, we are unstoppable. In our Christian calling, we're unstoppable in our calling to serve, our calling to care, our calling to generosity, and our calling to make disciples. Since we are called by God, this means that whatever God places before us, understand, he gives us the ability to follow that, to follow it with Christ and in Christ. Understand, we are conquerors. We are unstoppable partners with an unstoppable vision. Church, here's the truth that you must understand. And I encourage you to write this down if you haven't gotten this memorized yet. But it's this, God doesn't call the prepared God prepares the called. And you are called to minister, to minister to other people. And guess what? He will prepare you on the journey along the way to do that. God specializes in using ordinary people like you and me. And friends, what we're going to do today is this. We're going to look at three different passages of Scripture, each one talking about an ordinary guy. 
a guy named Peter. Many of you are already thinking, yeah, that guy, he messed up a lot, didn't he? All the time, Peter messed up. But guess what? God did extraordinary things through this ordinary guy. Once again, we're going to look back at the early church, and we're going to look to the apostles. Remember, why did our Lord, why did he come to this earth? It was to do what? It was to accomplish our salvation, the gift of salvation. Understand, it is for all people. Then in his will, what did he do? Get this. <laughs> he decides, well, I'm going to use humans. I'm going to use people to spread the word, to spread the gospel. Wait, okay, so hold on. Who does he call? Does he call the scribes, the Pharisees, the scholars, the philosophers, the educated, those born-again leaders? Is that the people that he called? No. He called who? He called 12 ordinary men. Many of them fishermen, unschooled, unrefined, untested, untrained. Yet, these 12 men, what did they do? They turned the world upside down as they spread the word of Jesus. Once again, while preaching the news of Jesus, Peter and John, they were arrested and they were brought before the court. This is in Acts 4.13. Look what it says. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were what? That they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They were like, oh, wow, man, look at this. How could God do so much through these average people? They're just average guys. How could God do it? What was it they noticed about Peter and John? What did it say? They were uneducated. It meant that they had no formal rabbinical training at all. They didn't go to college. They didn't get an advanced degree from a seminary. I mean, think about it. They weren't even part of one of the religious orders of the day. The Sanhedrin, the religious leaders back then, they had negative feelings about the connection between their hated Galilean Jesus that they had killed and these men. These men that now proclaimed that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. But, but hold on, wait, wait, they're just ordinary guys. Now, the original word in Greek was idiotes. It means an ignoramus, an ignorant or unlearned person. It means an idiot. The religious leaders looked at Peter and John, and they looked on them as idiots. In the view of their accusers, they weren't qualified to go out and expound upon the law or to teach publicly the word of God. Obviously, this word had a very negative and condescending meaning to it. But you see, it was these type of men whom Jesus called to spread the gospel. As we look at the title of this message, some of you are probably wondering, what does he mean by unstoppable idiots? Well, since we're called by God, we're called to what? We're called to care, we're called to serve, we're called to be generous, we're called to make disciples, and now God is giving us what? This unstoppable vision as unstoppable partners. Guess what? Then in the eyes of the world, we're what? We're idiots, right? We're unlearned, we're ignorant people. Remember, the religious leaders in our text, they were the world around the Christians back in their day. They were supposed to be the ones that were educated and knew everything, and they looked down on these apostles. They called them idiots. They called them idiots. They called them unlearned ones. Well, let me ask, is that any different than our world today? Is it? In the world today, the supposed educated ones, they look at us Christians and they say, they're unlearned. They're ignorant. Yeah, they're idiots. Yes, we take comfort, right? But not in trying to please the world. But in the fact that even though the world, even though they may see us as idiots, we're unstoppable idiots. For the gospel of Christ. Now, here's the beauty of all of this. 
As I was going through this and I was thinking about this is the beauty. The most encouraging thing to me about this whole thing is this. And no offense, people, but I'm surrounded by idiots. I am. I'm surrounded by idiots, okay? Our deacons, you're a bunch of idiots. My trustees, you're a bunch of idiots, okay? You all, we're a church full of idiots. Now, my wife being the loving encourager and exhorter that she is, she would probably say, well, Brad, I guess that makes you the chief idiot. Exactly. It's exactly right. You see, I love being around idiots. I love being around people that are foolish enough to believe that Jesus is who he said he was. That believes that we can do what he says that we can do. We're just total idiots. We're idiots that don't know what can't be done. Idiots that believe with God all things. All things are possible. You see, check this out. When Jesus came... He basically said what? He said, I'm here to bring what? To bring life. I'm to bring life more abundantly. And I'm going to find these 12 men, these 12 people. And I'm going to train them. And after I train them, I'm going to give my life up. Then I'm going to die. I'm going to go up to heaven. And I'm going to trust that these 12 guys that I picked out, that I trained, that they're going to go and carry my message all around the world. And when he did that, who did he choose for that inner circle? Who did he choose for those 12? Was it the best writers? Was it the best? No. Actually, he chose idiots. He chose ordinary people. He chose uneducated fishermen. He chose a tax collector who was despised. He chose some guys that were known for having a temper. When you read through scripture, when you see when Jesus, when he hangs out with people, who did he hang out with? He hung, hung out with who? Prostitutes, right? He hung out with people who were accused of being drunkards. He hung out with people that had questionable behaviors. Who did Jesus not call into his inner circle? Who did he not bring into that inner part? He didn't call one single person from the religious establishment of the day. Not a scribe, not a Pharisee, not a Sadducee. He called what? Everyday, ordinary idiots. He called those who believed him at his word. You see, today's system, it's all messed up. It really is. Think about the church today. I want you to think about this. Think about how crazy this really is. There's a number of sites and publications out there where you can go and you can see where churches, where they put out their ads, where they're looking for a pastor for their church. And it says something like this. They'll say, our church is looking for a senior pastor, blah, 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 blah. And it'll go down and it'll list all the qualifications of what they're looking for in their pastor. And here's what you're going to see almost every single time. They're going to ask for a senior pastor who's been in ministry for at least 10 years. You're married, you have a seminary degree, and preferably a master's or doctorate or even higher degree. So, think about that. Been in ministry 10 years, married, have an advanced seminary degree, which when you think about it, what does that say? That says that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he could not be the pastor of most churches in our world today. He's not qualified. Think about it. Jesus, the Son of God, not qualified by man's system. What was man looking for? We look for one who what? Who fits. Fits what we're looking for. Fits into this world system. But what's God looking for? What is he looking for? God's looking for idiots. Not just any ordinary idiot. Because understand, ordinary idiots, they can be dangerous. And there's some of those that are out there. We're talking about idiots who know who Jesus is, believe in him, and are willing to follow him no matter what the personal cost. I believe that this church is largely full of idiots. 
We're growing together to see who he is and what he wants us to be. And we're not willing to settle for anything less than what God has for us. A couple of thoughts here as we close out this series. Here's what I hope sinks in this morning. Under number one, we're talking about idiots. Idiots who have been with Jesus, they, under number one, give their whole lives to him. Not just a little bit. Not an hour on Sunday and then the rest of the week is theirs. They give their whole lives to him. In fact, Peter is the guy we've been talking about, and he undoubtedly was an idiot. We can agree on that. He was a fisherman, and one day they were out there fishing, and they weren't catching anything. And then Jesus comes alongside on the shore, and he says, hey, guys, try the other side. Now, if you're like me, and you're out there, you've been fishing all day, and you hadn't caught anything, you're being like, what's this idiot want me to fish the other side? I've been fishing the other side. Doesn't he know that? But what did they do? They fished the other side, right? And what happened? They caught so many fish, they freaked out. And here's Peter's response. Look at this with me, Luke 5, 8. It says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What kind of man was he? What kind of man? He said, I'm a sinful man. Understand, when we recognize just how holy God is, it's at that moment that you will see just how truly sinful you are. He said, I'm an idiot. He said, I'm a sinful man. I'm not good enough to be here in your presence. Jesus, just go away from me. And look what Jesus said to this sinful man. Jesus said this to Simon down in Luke 5.10. He said, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching what? From now on, you will be catching men. What Jesus, what he is saying here is this. From now on, you can make a difference. Even though you didn't feel like you're good enough, even though you don't, didn't feel like you know enough, you feel like you're an idiot. But from now on, you can make a difference. And here's what Scripture says down in Luke 5, 11, And don't miss the power of this verse. It says this, And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed Jesus. Check this out. They left their boats behind. They left their careers. They left their dreams. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us if they had family or not, but if they did, they left them all behind. And they said this. They said, Jesus, we're all in. We're all in. Notice what they didn't do. What they didn't do is what we see happen a lot in the church today. They didn't just step next to Jesus and say, let's just say a little prayer. Oh, dear Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, and I believe that I'm a sinner. Please save me and keep me out of hell and get me into heaven. Amen. I did that. Most of us probably did that, okay? That's what we were told to do. And then what happens is we go on with our regular lives, living as we did before. They didn't pray a prayer that was very self-centered the way that we did. What they did was they what? They lived a life. That was very Jesus-centered. And hopefully, friends, hopefully you can see the difference between that. They were willing to leave everything. It's kind of like this. Have you ever watched poker on TV? And I don't advocate watching it. I've watched it a couple times for just a few minutes. But it's like this. If you've ever watched poker on TV, when someone gets the little cards, you know, the small cards, they'll go like, okay, I'll put in like two chips. Not very much. But that's kind of what a lot of people are like with this Jesus thing today. Okay, I'll give Jesus just one chip. Or maybe I'll put two chips in. I'll give him just this much. But I'm going to keep all of this stuff over here. Just keep this all for myself because it's mine. And they look at what their cards look like and they say, I'm just going to gamble this much on what Jesus wants me to do. 
what these guys in this New Testament did is they did this. Without even looking at the cards that they've been dealt, they said, if you're telling us that we can make a difference and you are who you say you are, then we're going to take all of our chips and we're going to do this. We're all in. We're not sort of in, Jesus. We're all in. Understand, idiots go all in. Radical, complete, total surrender to Jesus. They said, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, and if you tell me that this is what you've called me to do, I'm all in. I'm with you. And can I say that as a church family, some of you, I can see it. I feel it. I believe it. You're kind of going like this to the world. You're kind of pushing it aside. And you're saying, Jesus, let's go. Let's do this. While there's some that are still out there going, huh? But you see, the idiots among you, understand, you believe. You believe. You're going all in with what Jesus wants. I tell you right now, God is going to do, he's going to do something special through those of you who will say, we don't go to church, we are the church. We are his church. If, if you're willing to be a big enough idiot to just believe he is who he says he is. Idiots who have been with Jesus, understand, they go all in. They're all in. They give their lives over to him. But the world says what? How idiotic are you? That's what they say when they see someone who seeks to give their whole life over to Jesus. Understand, we have a vision where everyone is welcome in this church. It doesn't matter who you are, your background, religious, personal, ethnic, whatever. And the world would say what? How idiotic. We have a vision where everyone in the church is needed. But we say, oh, they ain't got nothing that they could do. No, everyone is needed. The world out there is going to look at us and say, how idiotic. We have a vision where everyone is changed. Oh, that person's heart is so hard. They're never going to change. They're always going to be the same way. The world out there, they look at us and they say what? How idiotic. Church, it may be idiotic to the world around us. We may be viewed as idiots. But the second thing we see is that while we may be idiots, we're idiots who have been with Jesus. And under number two, we become unstoppable. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. It says, Now to him who is able to, to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Church, I understand that when you leave here today, the pressures of life, they will still be waiting for you outside of these doors. They will. You have bills to pay. You have schedules to keep, weddings to plan, homework, schoolwork, graduations, whatever. And now you're saying, okay, now you're encouraging me in church work? Well, let me just say this. It's more than just church work. You're being encouraged in your Christian calling, okay? It's your calling to caring, to serving, to generosity, and to making disciples. That's what you're called to. You're being encouraged to join us as unstoppable partners in this unstoppable vision. Those who partner together, those who surrender their lives to the cause of Christ under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they become unstoppable. Peter and John and others, they kept going around and preaching the gospel of Christ. They were causing all sorts of havoc in the religious system and they were arrested again. After they were arrested, people gathered together and said, what are we going to do with these guys? Do we beat them up again? Do we just lock them up this time and throw away the key? Should we just kill them? And then there was a very wise guy, 
a guy named Camaliel. And he said this about the situation. It's in Acts chapter 5, verse 38. And he said this. He said, so in the present case, I tell you, he said, guys, listen, here's my advice to you, okay? He said, keep away from these men and let them alone. Leave them alone? Why? It says this, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will what? What's going to happen to that? Say it with me. It will what? It will fail. This church, if it's built on a personality, if it's built on a model, if it's built on a building, if it's built on any personal desire, it will fail. It will go away, period. But then, look at verse 39. It says what? But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. They will become unstoppable. And then that last part of that says what? You might even be found opposing God. Mm, That's hard. What enough idiots, when they come together and when they say, we believe you, Jesus, it doesn't matter what it costs us. It's not about our lives. It's not about our desires. It's about your name. It's about your glory. It's about your kingdom. You can't stop people like that. You can threaten them, but it just makes them more determined. You can persecute them, but that just kind of cleanses them and makes them more righteous. You can kill them, and it will only inspire the others. You can't stop them. They're unstoppable. And what I sense is this. There's a group of you here, right here. You're becoming big enough idiots for God that we're going to be doing something supernatural very soon. I do. Last week, if you missed it, we agreed on five things. And if you are a big enough idiot, you can agree on these things. And we can partner together in God's unstoppable vision. First was we agreed what? We do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Jesus. We're going to do anything. We're willing to do anything to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Anything short of sin. Second was this. We agreed that we will do more with less. We're not about big budgets. We're not about big money. We're about making every dollar scream for the kingdom. We're going to continue to find creative ways to use and to reuse our resources, to use and reuse our facilities, then to use them over and over and over again. Third was, we can accomplish more together than alone. We're talking about partnering. Partnering with other ministries here in our community. Partnering with other ministries in our general area. Partnering with ministries around the world. It's not about anyone's name. It's about the mission of Christ. It's about the advance of the gospel. And we should be thrilled. Thrilled to partner with other organizations, other churches, other ministries all over the world to advance the gospel. Fourth was that we agreed we're not a big church. We're not even yet a mover and shaker in this little town of Cherryvale. But... We're a small church with a big vision. But it doesn't matter what anyone out there calls us. It doesn't matter what they say because we haven't even started yet. Really, if you think about it, we're a micro church. We're tiny. Compared to the need, we're a micro church, but we have this mega vision of what God wants to do. And the fifth was what? Do you remember? We agreed we will what? We agreed that we will make a difference. By golly, we are not going to play the game. We're not going to be one way on Sunday and then be something different the rest of the week. We're going to make a difference. And as a church, we're going to realize that this church, it doesn't exist for us. But that we are the church. And we exist for the world that's out there around us. 
We're going to give generously, give into the community. We're going to be loving. We're going to be accepting of anyone and everyone that wants to come in our doors. And we're going to be so full of grace. If people, I want to, people are going to be out there and they're going to look at us and, and they're going to say, we really don't know about this whole Christianity thing. And we don't know all about this Jesus stuff that you're talking about. But what I see is you're real, you're sincere, and you're different. Therefore, I'm open to what you've got to say. That's the way we need to be. And we won't compromise on these values. And if you are a big enough idiot to believe that God can use you to reach people in what may be the last days, then I promise you, friends, He will. He will use you. Because, understand, you are all called to ministry. It was Erwin McManus who first did this. And I think I've covered this one time before. I'm going to use it again. He did this little deal where he asked the question, what are different groups of animals called? If you know them, just shout them out. What's a group of cows called? A herd, right, a herd. How about a group of lions? What are they called? A pride, very good, okay. What about this? How about a group of crows? They're called a murder. Now, if you've ever seen the movie The Birds, you kind of understand what I'm talking about there, okay? What about a group of buzzers? What are they called? A committee. That's right, a committee. That's why I don't really like committees in the church. What about a group of rhinos? You know what rhinos are, right? They're these big, fat, ugly things. And, and rhinos, you know that they can run about 30 miles an hour, right? That's a lot of fast for a big thing, isn't it, kids? 30 miles an hour. The problem is what? They're running at 30 miles an hour, but what? They can only see 30 feet in front of them. So think of that. 30 miles an hour, 30 feet. That's why a bunch of rhinos is called a crash. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? It does. Totally makes sense. Now, earlier I called you all idiots. Now let me call you rhinos. So what are we? We're idiot rhinos now. If we agree together that Jesus, that he is calling us to make a difference in this world, then we're a bunch of idiot rhinos. And someone's going to probably say, well, Pastor Brad, what's going to happen in these next few years? My answer is going to be this. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. And if anyone comes up to you and says, I can predict the future, and I tell you this is where you're going to be, and this is what's going to happen, guess what? They're lying. They're lying. You see, the way I view it is this. The future is there to be created. We can create the future that God wants us to create. If we see ourselves as idiot rhinos and we are partnering together and we're running at 30 miles an hour as these idiot rhinos, it doesn't matter if we can only see 30 feet ahead, right? Because whatever's at 31 feet, it better get the heck out of our way, right? Because I'm running with a bunch of unstoppable idiot, idiot rhinos. And we're going to just plow right through it. People who are simply believing that Jesus is who he says he is. And he's calling us to love him and to love the world around us. Friends, that's all I've got. That's what I've got. That's it. I've told you what we believe. I've told you where we're going. I, I don't know what else to say. I really don't. But the bottom line is this. If you're serious, let's do this. Let's do it. If you want to sit back and you want to watch, all I can say is go somewhere else. Just go. This is a place. This is a church. A place for people who are serious about following Jesus. And if you're not a believer, I encourage you to keep on coming because we want to love on you. If you're a bunch of dead weight, critical, not going to do anything, but sit back and watch and criticize, then there are other places for you to go and do that. Not here. Here in this church, we are serious. We're serious about following Jesus. Church, 
friends, I'm inviting you right now, right here, to partner with us as we partner with others to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Will you do it? Get in or get out. Let's pray. I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or you need to make any decisions or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620-336-2777. We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know you'll be blessed. And thanks again for listening to the Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, and have a blessed day.